future reality, I shall destroy you. I reject your reality and I substitute my own. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where it's all about the monster. We are a creature feature podcast about monsters and why we love them. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Praska, and with me is... Your other host, Khalid Hussein. Hey, Khalid. I haven't talked to you since last year. Ugh, you're doing that joke? You're coming out yeah. the gate swinging? All right, yeah. It's been... How you been, buddy? Yeah. Since last year. Yeah, right? <laughs> Happy New Year. Is, Happy New is Year. what I meant to say. Happy New Year. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Had a had a, had a good New Year. How about you? Pretty good. I uh, I did the most mid thirties thing I could do and fell asleep at like eight thirty p.m. So you actually didn't uh, didn't stay up till midnight. No, I have to just kind of take everyone's word for it that it is in fact the New Year. Yeah. No, I actually didn't stay up for it either. Honestly, so, <laughs> I guess that's a confession time. Neither of us did. Uh, you know what? I got nothing to prove. All right. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm I've, okay I've, with I've, it. I've, 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 I've seen enough. I get it. Yeah. But it was cool. I uh, The winter break, because it's been a couple weeks since we recorded too, uh, the winter mm-hmm. break has been treating me pretty well. Uh, I had uh, a couple family members visit uh, within two weeks, which was nice. And yeah. Um, yeah, this time of year, usually I'm either like, if I don't go home, I'm just kind of chilling alone here because it's the holidays, you know? And it was nice being with family and getting to do that instead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been, I've been off uh, last week and I'm off this week too. So it's been kind of nice to have some time with the kids a little bit more and uh, yeah, see family. It's always, always a pleasant thing. Yes, yes, yes. The older I get, the more I enjoy the the company of family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Khalid, we have uh, a pretty special episode. As those of you who've read the uh, the title of this episode, we're doing a double feature again. Double feature? I was really hoping you'd say that. I was waiting for it. <laughs> I It was instinctive. I don't even think that I made a choice to say it. It's like automatic at this point. Honestly, like it's like the only way I could explain it is like it felt like I threw the, the words up. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited to get into that. But uh, before we do, we should uh, talk about our Patreon. The nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you don't know, Frankenstein's podcast has launched a Patreon and we've already got a couple of what we're calling Franken bits up there for you guys to listen to. We'll be adding more. Uh, and just basically, it's just like a fun place to experiment and like, you know, get a little bit outside of what the Frankenstein's podcast like uh, narrative is, which is like we talk about creature features and we talk about effects and stuff. We wanted to just be like, hey, we're smart guys. We're cool guys. We have other thoughts. So let's just like make a little sub sub branch that that talks about other stuff and so we did that and so if you want to become a patron like so many other people have and uh support us in our talking about other stuff journey and where that takes us uh that would be really awesome it's experimental but it's super fun and it is 
all for your lovely ears. So consider becoming a patron like so many cool people like uh, Jake Cole, uh, Grant Hasbrook, and uh, Luke Johnson, to name a few awesome patrons. And uh, Jim Tamberg. And Jim Tamberg, to name one more. Uh, these are all awesome people that you could be alongside, like a Mount Rushmore of patrons for Frankenstein's podcast, but like way more heads than Mount Rushmore, hopefully. Um, hopefully. But yeah, uh, with that being said, Joe, kicking it back to you. Yeah. Well, guess what, Khalid? What? Thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing that nice little plug, but I do have a question for you. I'm so regretting kicking it back to you already. Yeah, it's actually not a, not going to be a segue, but it's just a question. Um, oh, okay. What do you what do you call it when uh, when uh, Dracula passes out on New Year's Eve? Countdown. <laughs> yeah, you, I saw. For those listening, there's video here, and I saw Khalid like <laughs> think and get it, and then get sad afterwards. I got it was really a nice sad. Progression. It was like <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm honestly so sad at how fast I get them now. <laughs> that was pretty good. So that's a, that was kind of a segue to the segue because I have another question for you. What? <laughs> you, you ready for this? No, I'm never ready. So, what's an arena fighter's favorite part of a joke? An arena fighter's favorite part of uh the punchline. Ah, you got it. Nice. And that's the segue, Khalid. What are we talking about today? <laughs> well, we're talking about two movies, uh, but I guess I'll lead with the first one, Arena. Uh, it's a 1989 uh, sci-fi adventure movie, and I've got a synopsis from our homeboy Google, and it goes a little something like this. In a huge space arena, fighters from all over the galaxy come to battle each other in hopes of claiming victory. While most warriors are of various alien species, Steve Armstrong is a rarity. A human who aspires to compete in the games, training with his friend Shorty, and encouraged by the lovely promoter Quinn, Steve has a shot at the intergalactic championship. But plenty of extraterrestrial brawlers are eager to take him down. Uh, And that's that description. Uh, and then, nice. uh, yeah, should I just back to back them or do you want to talk about back, arena quick back to back them back, back to back in it. Okay. Uh, the next one is the 1984 film, the dungeon master also sci-fi adventure. Uh, and I've got this synopsis from Google that goes geeky computer whiz Paul is not happy to discover that his long suffering girlfriend Gwen has been abducted by villainous sorcerer Mistima. Mistima promises to release Gwen if Paul can complete seven different challenges in seven different realms. Paul consents and Mistima equips him with a computerized wristband capable of firing lasers and transports him to face the perils he must survive if if he ever wants to see Gwen again. And that's the other one. What a monster. They're creatures of the abstract level potential energy. It's alive! Nice, Khalid. Thanks for those uh, synopses. They were, they were detailed. Yeah. Um, before we get into the movies, I thought it'd be, I wanted to dig in a little bit to why um, this is called the Empire Studios double feature. I mean, this is Empire Studios was kind of the the studio behind these two films. And I thought a little bit of background into what Empire was might be kind of interesting. Do you know much about this, Khalid? I do not. So Empire Studios was the creation of Charles Band. Have you heard of him? Charles what? Charles Band. No, uh 
No, but he was one of the directors of one of the stories in Dungeon Master. Yeah, he was. So he uh, created the studio. He's a pretty prolific, storied, like, creator, kind of businessman, I might say, also known for, like, horror, sci-fi, fantasy B-movies. So he, you might say he's, like, a contemporary of, like, a Roger Corman, maybe, um, like, kind of, like, famous for just, like, cheesy B-flicks, right, with, like, kind of balls-to-the-wall creativity, but super low bu- budget. Um, so he made the studio Empire in 83, and at its height, it would actually release an average of two films a month, one, se- one theatrically and one on home video. And the studio eventually folded in 1989. And after that, he went on to create Full Moon Productions, which is actually still around to this day. Um, Full Moon might be more, a little bit more recognizable for like things like the Puppet Master series was a big one that they did. Um, under Empire, he also uh, produced... I think Reanimator was another famous one, some of those Stuart Gordon films. Um, so there's some like bigger name hits that have come out of his uh, filmography that Band has produced or his his companies have produced, but a lot, a lot, a lot of like very little known like genre films that are in some cases hidden gems and in some cases not so much. But uh, uh, yeah, any an interesting background piece for this, I'd say. Yeah, would you categorize these two as hidden gems or hundred percent? <laughs> okay, that we'll gives me some context. It. That gives me some yeah. context for a lot of things, actually. Yeah, right. It should. <laughs> uh, so it sounded like you. The way you read the synopses, we should start with Arena. Is that what you think? Yeah, let's start with Arena. Um, oh my! That was a that was a fun movie, man. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't. <laughs> I think the thing that like I keep coming back to is like both of these movies feel like what if like Flash Gordon's Fail Sons got like their own TV series or like movies. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're not even like they're only Fail Sons in comparison to Flash Gordon. Like it's like being Tom Hanks's kid, you know? It's like worst yeah. case scenario you're Chet Hanks, best case scenario you're you're the other one. Colin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like people say your name with a question mark because <laughs> Because that's the best case scenario. So I it was it was fun watching it in that respect because like they both like have like such like Flash Gordon in their DNA, but in such different ways. And mm-hmm. with this one, it's just like this like all right, I'ma just say it. Like, is this like a metaphor for like when black people started boxing or something? Cause like that this movie felt <laughs> really weird about like at least like the beginning of it where he he kind of comes sauntering in after like just like beating up the father of two uh <laughs> uh not so, not judging him or anything just stating what happened in the movie he beats yeah. up a father of two at a restaurant um and then he like saunters in and he's like oh yeah like this sport hasn't been the same since like aliens started playing and stuff like when like regular humans were like fighting and stuff and it just feels very very like like fond of like a time when uh only certain people were allowed to do sports you know what i mean oh i don't think i ever clocked that did he say it was pre-aliens Something like that, or at the very least that like once aliens like were the only winners, at least, you know, because it's been like 50 years since there's been a human champion. And all I could think was just like, and they keep talking about like inhibitors and all this shit throughout the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just like it's sports and it's like 
I'm always wary of like the best athlete is a white guy. Uh, right. when, when a movie goes to the links to show that, you know, especially like sports that are like regularly dominated by like not white guys. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like if I'm watching like a basketball movie and like the star is a white guy and it's not like <laughs> 1943. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not saying that the movie's wrong. I'm just like squinting really hard the whole time. Like what what are you trying to say here? You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. No, I totally <laughs> so, get it. Like for me, it's like there's this movie that came out in the eighties, which by then, like black people had long since like been like reoccurring champions of fighting, you know, like fighting sports. And so, like, when you tell me, like, oh, yeah, this guy is, like, this, like, he's he's kind of buff or whatever, and he knows a little bit of karate, but, like, <laughs> when you tell me he's, like, the best human fighter, uh, like, all around, you know what I mean? It's not even just boxing. It's mostly boxing, but it's not just boxing. And yeah. when you tell me he's, like, the best, and then he starts lamenting about how when, like, just regular humans were the ones that were, like, competing, it was, like, different. I'm just, like, that just sets off some, like, red flags. Um, I didn't mean to immediately dive into that because I don't <laughs> think I don't think most of the movie is about that. But it's also just like one of the influences of the movie, obviously Flash Gordon. But then it's also like there's some Rocky DNA to it, you know, yeah, where it's like very, much, very so. much trying to like say like this guy's a contender and stuff. And I mean, the whole thing about Rocky is that like <laughs> he lost, you know, he lost in the movie. But, like, he's a winner because he, like, went, like, round for round with, like, a strong black guy, you know? And and he's, but he's the winner. Like, the black guy won, but he's the winner, you know? Like, as far as, like, they made a statue of the man afterwards. Like, a real statue for a guy that lost in the fake movie. Um, so, I just... And apologies to any Rocky fans who also listen to this podcast religiously. I don't mean anything by that other than just like even the source material of this movie like comes from a place of like just kind of hearkening back to like a time when like the sport was like exclusionary. Yeah, no, I think I I see what you're saying. I never clocked that. And, I, and that's probably good that you're bringing this up. Um, I think I didn't really get the point, uh, see the point where he said like, oh, just humans per se. I thought it was just it's like a throwaway oh, line. I might even I be like, was, I thought it was yeah. meant to be like, it's just corrupt now with like, uh, like, be, like the betting and all the cr- like corruption surrounding it. I thought that was kind of like the, the focal point of it. Yeah. Because so like, all just human exclusive fighting is never corrupt when it comes to betting or gambling. I, I guess, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what, that's, that's what, he, that's what he's arguing then. <laughs> yeah. No, I guess. No, I, yeah, no, no, you're totally right. It's an interesting point. Yeah. No, I, I guess like, yeah. Framing it when the sense of like the, uh, yeah, I guess I missed that human line. Cause I, I did not clock that element of it, but yeah, no, that's, I, that's fascinating. I, I mean, like, I don't know. It's just, and I don't think like it's the only goal of the movie, but I do think there is like something to it where it's like planet of the apes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, once you see the like, oh, parallels to like, this is kind of like a fear of like black people taking over kind of a thing. Like it's hard to yeah. unsee it. And so it's yeah. like watching this and you're watching like all these like cocky, like unfairly naturally strong, uh, like because of like whatever they were born with kind of like creatures. And it's like, they're all just fighting this like Aryan, like, like God who just, I don't even know. Like it's just, he just, he just wins with the most basic moves. Like <laughs> Just a just a dude in the year four thousand named Steve. 
Yeah, the only people that give him even like any kind of sincere trouble aren't even the aliens. It's two other dudes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like his, his his the two things that he has like proven uh, like might do damage to him are two dudes and a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anyways, that's a lot of thoughts. That. That's a yeah, lot of thoughts. I don't know if there's like a throat, a through line to any of that other than just word vomit, but, yeah. um, overall, it, despite all of that, it was an entertaining sci-fi adventure movie. You know what I mean? Like right. questionable politics aside, like I've seen movies with like deliberate politics that are worse than this. So yeah, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fun overall, you know, like it's corny. The acting is like so silly. The fighting is directed in a way that just like really makes you just go, huh, mm-hmm. that was a choice, uh, a <laughs> few times, but, but you know, for a B movie, for a B movie action thing, like adventure thing, like it really just like made me like reminiscent of when I was a kid and like the kind of stuff that I would watch, like serial adventures. Like it felt like the adventures of Hercules kind of a thing. And Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like this guy that's like, yeah, he's kind of fit, but like for whatever reason, he's just like the best fighter. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter like how ripped or how big the other thing is. Like he's just the best. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of where I'm with you. I feel like any, I think like you're drawing the 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 kind of one to one to like the Rocky parallel and that one like kind of having like the more like nuanced undertones. Like I do, I feel like anything that this anything that move this movie says uh, outside of just being like oh action like alien fights is accidental. <laughs> you know, like I don't know if I, want, I don't know <laughs> if I can give them enough credit in the from the writing here to have been like having some like nuanced undertones here. Um, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. But that being said, but I mean, uh, it's I'm with... like, but all sci-fi is just a metaphor, right? And I don't mean to cut it you off, but I'm just saying. Totally like, is. Yeah. No, I know. I, I mean? So it's sci-fi like, is even entirely, if it was un- very metaphorical, even yeah. if it was unintentional, like the clear metaphor they were trying to do, which was like a bad metaphor, honestly, like it's kind of like um, mm-hmm. the thing where like I, we've talked about this like off pod before, where like one thing that annoyed me about uh, Solo was the, the, so, the movie that came out with like Donald Glover and shit. Was, the pre-Star um, Wars, the Star yeah, Wars the one, Star Wars yeah. solo story. Um, they have this scene where, like, it's supposed to be like about like how like cool and criminal these guys are, and they play just space poker. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, it's the most like least imaginative fucking thing. And then I watch Arena, and it's like, oh no, space boxing is a lot less is a lot less original <laughs> i actively thought of you talking about solo when i watched this movie actually because they also play There's space poker <laughs> a lot of space poker scenes a lot of space poker yeah and i'm just gonna call it right now the space poker trope where it's like a movie like so badly wants the trappings of sci-fi but can like <laughs> barely bother to do anything sci-fi so you get bullshit like space poker <laughs> yeah it's like well i've got this hand it's like why what is this like you know, in all of space, all this creatures just came up with poker over and over again, like yeah, with like hexagonal cards or something. Yeah, and it's like the only thing that changes is like like the fucking like numerical symbols or whatever. Like it's <laughs> fucking dumb. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway. like space poker and space boxing, both just yeah. big whiffs for me in terms of like what you can do <laughs> with the medium. But I say all that to say, uh, like even if you just give them credit for like, they were doing a metaphor about professional sports, everything they're talking about with gambling and all of that, like there's still like a 
racial connotation to like boxing mm-hmm. as a sport at that time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great so, point. I don't know. Yeah. Just something to, something to think about. Something to chew on. Something to chew on. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you said it. <laughs> oh no. You like the thought, not the something to chew on. Got it. Something. What? I thought you were saying I like the saying something to chew on. And I was like, I just repeated what you said. <laughs> well, I also like the saying. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. A little bit of sausage, as Khalid likes to say there. That is what I like to say. Yeah. I cannot deny it anymore. Um. So, all right. I'll share a bit of my thoughts. I, I, um, I think I like this one quite a bit. It's um, what I like about it. Um, honestly, the sports bits are what are the least what I like the least about it, but, uh, <laughs> which is ironic. Cause it's like the, I don't know if it's ironic. The whole thing is about a sports movie, but what I like about it is it's this like kind of like, you know, rubber latex mask, alien, like CD space bar type space opera, like setting and like aesthetic that I just like. And I feel like there's that. I, I look for that a lot in movies and in shows like the nineties really had it. The eighties had it also. We don't see it, you know, like, outside of star Wars and star Trek to some extent too, like you don't see it too much anymore in like an original setting. And so like when I'm finding something like that, like this, that's just like put in this effort to like bring that like vibe to life for me, I'm like really excited to find that. So, um, like, yeah, like weird space stations. It's like, it's like the star Wars vibe without the Epic fantasy, you know? And then like, I think that's a lot of fun to see. And I don't think, I don't think we see a lot of movies just really go all out with like weird, just like t- just, t- just taking it at face value that like humans and aliens are all just like chilling on space stations, the future. We don't have to like give any big explanation to why we're there when we got there. Just like, yeah, it's just, it's just the super future and we're on a space station in, in alien boxing, you know, like I like that. <laughs> I like that. I think that's fun. Um, another element I thought was super fun in this, this has like a lot of actors who ended up going on to be in like sci-fi properties. I really liked like Mark Alemo, who's, uh, kind of the villain is, um, uh, one of the recur- uh, main recurring actor in deep space nine, Armin Shimmerman, who is a uh, weasel is quark in deep space nine. And in a bunch of other great stuff, he's in Buffy as well. So we like him. Um, Claudia what Christian. He was like the principal in like, I think season three, I think he turned into oh, a snake. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's the one that gets uh, eaten. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and Claudia Christian, who was uh, the kind of manager, Steve's manager, she went on to star in Babylon five, which is another great show. So like a lot of kind of fun, uh, like convergences of like sci-fi properties that I love to see. Um, and it's just kind of fun to see them in like fun, silly roles. Um, yeah. I, I think like all that to say, like, I don't, yeah, I didn't feel like there's like a lot of, <laughs> You I mean you're, you're you're countering this. My like note was like I don't think there's a lot of depth to this. I wrote, but I guess like you could make that case. Like you kind of did. There's like you know just like just by virtue of being what it is. Like there's a there's a there's a certain depth there. But um, yeah, I just thought it was fun, and uh, I did. I do have the Blu-ray of this, Khalid. Of course, of course, and the other one. And uh, I did watch the special features. There was a um an interview with um, Michael uh, Day. Deke, I think I think it's pronounced, who was uh, uh, one of the lead special effects supervisors. And I'll get into more of what he said here. But he talks about when the VFX crew left on their last day shooting this film, they were stopped by credit bureau people who made them prove all of their like equipment was theirs because their Empire Pictures was being shut down 
on that day. So like as they finished wrapping, they were like, we're shutting down the studio like it is done. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Like this is the like they might have had like a couple movies in the can that might have come out. But like leaving the set or leaving the making this movie like was sh- shutting down the studio. Honestly, I, I believe it. Um, yeah, I've. I've seen not having been inside the studio system. Um, I've seen and heard of like just as real, like similar things in this day and age. So <laughs> that that's that's probably like the least surprising bit of trivia right. I'm gonna hear about this movie. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Um, I saved a. I'll save a bunch of the special effects monster stuff till the end. But let's uh, let's dig into a little bit of just like general thoughts on uh, Dungeon Master. Dungeon Master. What did AKA... you think of this one? What Rage is the War. most, I, I, yeah. So I looked <laughs> online and actually an alternate title for this, if you didn't want to call it the dungeon master is what if the most annoying guy, you know, told you a dream he had. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it felt like. It just felt like an asshole's dream. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. I had like this like crazy dream last night. dude. So like, I was like, this is like genius. Right. But like, then I get like teleported and this guy's like, yo, bro. I'm going to kill your girlfriend unless you pass these seven tests. And like one of the tests was like, take all this money and these three chicks that will do anything. And I said, no, cause I love my girlfriend, bro. And then I just shot him with a laser, a bunch with a laser that he gave me. Like, it's just <laughs> <laughs> when I tell you, like, I was so relieved to find out that like there were seven different writers and directors of this fucking thing by the end because it was the only way to make heads or tails of like what any of this was supposed to be saying. Like the the inconsistency of like all of the characters from story to story. I was just like, am I having a stroke? Like, is this still a part of the test? Like. He's he's like hunting a serial killer. How's that a test? <laughs> Which, if you haven't guessed yet, I say all this to say I loved it. Like <laughs> yes, because because while I would hate an, an an annoying douchebag when he tries to tell me about his dream, if he took the time to shoot like a low budget like movie of it, I'd watch it every time because <laughs> that's gonna be entertaining to some degree. Man, this is like. Doctor Who for dummies. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous. (laughs) Like everything about it, just the the fundamental premise of like this wizard who has like through time just like had these like tests. And like, is it like, does he, does he only get like people who have like girlfriends or is it any loved one that is like hostage and has to go with them on this adventure? Um, it, is it like always like the same metric? Like, is it always like the gadget guy of every generation or does he do like a different thing each time? You know, I don't know. I just, is there other movies in the series? Yeah. I don't think so. Oh, honestly, <laughs> fair enough. I wouldn't watch be. them unless, should be. You made, unless you made me. I probably wouldn't watch them. I would probably um, would make you though. Yeah. Um, yeah i don't know like my thoughts are as scattered as this movie like that's really (laughs) the short and sweet of it like it was a lot and it like the fact that it's basically seven short films by seven different people like makes it that much harder to just consistently across the board be like this was good or this sucked 
<laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. like I just have to take that into account and go, all right, all things considered, like they Frankenstein this together and it, it's, it's technically a movie. Te- yeah. Although technically not a feature length movie because it comes in at like 79 minutes. Right. It's short. It's actually, <laughs> okay. So there's actually three different versions of this. Sure. Um, it, so Dungeon Master was the version that was released in United, uh, U.S. theaters, and they used the title Dungeon Master to capitalize on the popularity of D&D at the time. Um, it's called Rage War uh, in everywhere else, and I think there's two versions of Rage War that are uh, out there, plus the Dungeon Master, which is the U.S. theatrical version. The other ones are slightly longer. There's like a prologue, apparently. I didn't watch it, actually. I, I tried to watch the one that I assumed you were going to watch, which is the U.S. theatrical one, which is the only one on Tubi. Right? You did the Tubi one? Yeah, I did the Tubi one. Yeah, the Blu-ray has all three, so I could have watched another one, but I watched this one, so we're on the same page. So generous of you. Very generous. But uh, yeah, ne- my next my next rewatch of this film, I'll do I'll do one of the different versions, and I'll tell you how different it is. But please, um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, there's like some slight differences, I think. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I. <laughs> I have fun with this movie too. I, it's it's absurd. It's ridiculous. I'm but I'm having a blast watching it. There, the well, you were talking about the, the the wizard, right? Like he has this like weird offhanded line in the beginning where he basically says like he's also known as Satan. Remember that part? <laughs> like yes, <laughs> I just have a I, I just it's so funny to me. Like you're like this wizard, the Satan. Satan is just like super stressed out about computers. So he's like, oh, computers. Like I must conquer them you know like that whole like concept you know like is very funny to me i mean it feels very much like a person who loves greek myth yeah and really really wanted to try and make like a a modern day version of it you know what i mean like there's very (laughs) there's very much like an icarus vibe to to the computer whiz what's his name it's uh paul 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 Paul. yeah paul and steve Our guys. Yes. <laughs> so Paul is like he's he's just like a genius by his time standards. Like by our time standard, he's just like a, a tech bro. Like mm-hmm. you know, he 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 does things through his glasses. He does things through his watch. You made the great observation over text that he's basically Tony Stark, um, and I, that's a great way to put it. Like it's just a guy with like gadgets that are basically magic and it's right it's, it's, they have it's lasers magic. they have yeah. all sorts of, yeah like he can like control the lights like traffic lights with it it's yeah it's it's basically Which, magic at that point thank you for bringing that up actually uh just quick detour uh is that not the dumbest feature of uh tech glasses to while you're the pedestrian running to change traffic lights on a whim like those <laughs> things are there for you <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I know a lot of people that take yellow lights as suggestions. You think if it just blinks red, they're gonna just slam on the brakes? No, they're gonna hit you, and and then the cops are gonna be like, "Oh, it looks like he has like these tech glasses." <laughs> Case looks closed. Like he has tech glasses. <laughs> yeah. It's just it'd be like if you had like a like a magic wand that only took the safety off guns. Like, all you're doing is making situations more dangerous for yourself. <laughs> yeah 
Um, anyways, that was like one of the, like, I, in the first 10 minutes of this movie, which like credit to where credit's due in 79 minutes, it gets down to business pretty quick. Like he's a tech genius. Uh, he, for some reason has a day job, even though he can control everything from ATMs to streetlights. Uh, and then he gets sucked into a dream. It's like so fast. And I really, I commend it for not even pretending that they needed to set up a world, you know? Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. It's it's like it's this like fun type of weird experimental like goofy effects heavy thing that we kind of wouldn't really see today. I think like that's just like it's disjointed, kind of ridiculous. Um, but it's hard to deny that there's kind of you kind of tell that there's like this like twinge of creativity and like love that's going into it. And I think that's like infectious when watching it, like it's fun, like everyone's having a good time. I will say that like, it doesn't do very well by, uh, Leslie wing, the character, Gwen, the, the girlfriend, like she was both mostly chained to a rock the whole time, except for like two segments. So like that, like the damsel in distress element comes off poorly now, especially. And I mean, then it's too, but like, especially now, but even outside of that, like, it's like, that would be like even better than what it actually was, which is she was chained to a rock and occasionally molested. Like it was, Oh yeah, that was right. That was rough. Yeah. I just like jumped out of my skin. I was like, he already said he's a devil. Like, what are we saying with this? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Do we need that? And it's also just like very inconsistent with the character. Cause he makes it very clear from the jump that it's just like, this is just like extra motivation for you in case being like literally teleported in your dream to a hellscape wasn't enough for you to try these challenges. I will also kill your girlfriend. Like I was like, okay, that makes sense. That's extra motivation that like makes it less about a self-interested or self-motivated thing. And then you start like being into her for like two stories and then just drop it again. So it's like, <laughs> he just drops it again. He drops it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like very inconsistent. And it was like, well, why'd you add it at all? If it wasn't going to like deepen anything. It was because of the dragon battle. Oh yeah. Okay. I take everything back. No, I don't take yeah. it back. Like that was not <laughs> worth the dragon battle. That was a horrible, <laughs> horrible dragon battle. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even it was a it was a dragon light show <laughs> it was like holographic dragons yeah <laughs> yeah like if they showed that now like if it was like they just showed two dragons in this guy you'd be like oh and then they turn it off like you could see that like i feel like you could see that specifically at like like a city light show yeah um <laughs> also i think it's really funny that like there was like a frozen einstein and like frozen scientists in that first level well, it was all like they're all like, but they're like criminals. Like they're Jack the Ripper and like, but then like yeah, Einstein. but like they put Albert Einstein in a in a museum of criminals with Jack the Ripper is just funny to me. Yeah, and then he has like the the ice it's very crystal edge, that you it's have very to smash. Edgelord, like makes it you is think, like, huh? Like only yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one killed with his mind, the other with a knife. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a take. It's a take. <laughs> <laughs> My chemical okay. romance ass fucking visual. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That we definitely talked about that. We're watching the movie too. Um, so the seven segments, we should kind of like break down. I just want to like the titles and like what were there, what they were. This we had the Stone Canyon Giant, which was written and directed by David Allen. Uh, Demons of the Dead, written by John Carl, Carl uh, Beckler. Heavy Metal, which was Charles Band. Uh, Ice Gallery, the one we were just talking about, which was Rosemary Turco. Rosemary Turco. 
Slasher, which was written by Jeffrey Byron, who starred as Paul, and directed by Steve Stafford, um, which was written in the movie as Steve Ford. He used a pseudonym. And Cave Beast, written directed by Peter Manugian, who went on to do Arena. And uh, Desert Pursuit, written by Ted Nicolau. So those are the those are the seven we got. Um, of those, did you have a favorite? It's tough because, like, <laughs> why it would be my favorite would probably vary from story to story, right? But probably the dead one, just because <laughs> the ending of it is just him going, "Nah." <laughs> When he when he says uh, I reject your reality and substitute yeah. my own, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all I heard was no, but that's probably what he actually <laughs> said. Um, yeah, the, it just was like such a loiterly like fucking thing, or it's just like, oh yeah, <laughs> this guy is so brilliant. He he rejects your hypothesis, and it's just like, what the hell are we talking about right now? <laughs> What kind of boring ass like 3 a.m. thought made it into the final cut of this script? Like that is just such a just on a writerly level, such an unsatisfying way to resolve anything is to just the only time I've ever seen that even kind of work was in Bill and Ted uh, when the joke is that because they have access to a time machine, all they have to do is think about using the time machine and then whatever they want to have done will have been done already. Oh yeah, yeah, that's funny. That and that is like an actual like mind fuck genius use of time travel where it's like technically you're right. We don't have to see you do the thing to know that you could do the thing. Here, he just goes, "Nah, that that, that didn't happen." <laughs> he just like fake news is his way out of like fighting his like zombie self, which is so <laughs> fucking dumb. Also, the implication that the wizard just shot him in the head in that scenario, because like he's, yeah. he's a zombie with a bullet wound. <laughs> like, <laughs> was it one of the cops in that story? Like, in what scenario did he die here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprise challenge eight, cock. <laughs> let's see your watch do do anything to stop this uh (laughs) yeah also why did they give him more technology than he already had you know it's like it's supposed to be like this like greek myth kind of thing except that like they gave him a a better weapon for or the wizard gave him a better weapon for no reason give them that or was are we led to believe that the his computer his like tech could already do lasers what tech? It, what, they didn't even really specify. It was his glasses, and then sometimes it was his watch, right? Oh yeah, he had like a better watch in the in the dream in the dream or the fantasy world. Even, yeah. yeah, it was like a Nintendo like, Power Glove, but just all wrist set. Yeah, yeah, I don't and, know. And he just kind of like Buzz Lightyear laser points his way out of like easily seventy five percent of the issues. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> which again makes me beg the question, like. Why did you give that to him? <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's reasonably like smart for human standards, but it does not seem like he had anything immediately within his reach before you gave him the laser wristband, which I'm going to be honest, like kind of feels like you could have given that to anybody. It didn't have to just be him. <laughs> yeah. Maybe somebody who knew angles for that one super specific like instance but like i bet the computer didn't even need the angles like it was probably just humoring him you know and i'm trying trying to think of like if what times he used the computer to like be smart you know like the desert when he's like knocked down and it's like three 
grown aliens and then the little alien uh the aliens like take the wristband off of him and just hold it and then mm-hmm. he's like hey, hey hey cal uh what is it hey cal yeah he's like yeah. hey cal uh is your laser fired up and he's like yep and he's like all right 126 degrees 100 blah blah and he just says the angles that they're all oh, standing yeah. but it's like cool. is it is it in relation to him or to the to the like the wristband i don't know well, I mean, it's, I it's never like so it's, figured out. <laughs> so it's like a dumb guy. No, you couldn't. I guarantee you the math does not check out either way. I'm like 90% sure it does not. Because like <laughs> everything about this movie is like a dumb guy's idea of a smart guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The super smart dude who like likes to jog and like he's like super hot and his super hot girlfriend get like kidnapped. And like he's just like, no, oh, dude, I'm going to like laser you, dude. Like, yeah. It's not, and, and it's, that's why I call it like Doctor Who for dummies. Like, yeah. The only other thing I could think of is when he used the like this the thing for the 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 AI or whatever was like in the, the 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 serial killer one where he's like, how far away is that thing? And then like gave us like a distance or something. It's like map, you know, Google Maps early on. <laughs> that's the other thing. Is like, yeah, I guess by that time standards, that would make you like a a genius. But like, yeah. we're also watching it in twenty twenty four now. <laughs> So like he's just a guy that like Google's things, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, like, he's got Google Glass. Yeah, it should have just like Cal should have been the main character. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the, the 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 tech is the superhero. Oh, that would have like, been interesting. It's just like this asshole that wears it and uses it for like really frivolous things, like taking a twenty out. Yeah. So the demons of the dead one that you're talking about, the one that you said you liked, that one was the the John Carl of Beckler was the like the VFX guy in a lot of these movies. So like create a lot of the visual effects. This was like one of his first chances to direct. So I think that one's a fun one because like you could tell the like the visual effects, like the the makeup and the like the puppet creature, the rat spit creature, like those were kind of fun. Um, rat spit ruled. Rat spit was dope. Um, I would say I really thought. I like Demons of the Dead quite a bit. I think Ice Gallery was fun just because I thought it was like just so ridiculous and silly. <laughs> um, um, also the only one written and directed by a woman. So that's a fun fact. And oh. uh, yeah. And I like Desert Pursuit. I thought that was kind of a like a like a Mad Max like riff yeah. a little bit, which was also the only one that like Gwen got to seem to like have agency in, which was kind of nice, um, like firing the gun a little bit. So like it was the best for her. But like. I don't know. That was just kind of a fun, like car chase. Like it seemed like they were like doing some cool, like different kinds of stunt work there. And so that was, I thought that was, those are my top three, I would say. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're all, they're, they're varying quality whenever you have some sort of anthology type thing. I think it's of note. We should probably point out the, the heavy metal one is, which was terrible. I think my least, my least favorite written by like the guy who created the whole, whole like studio. <laughs> But uh, that was like that's why I remember the name because Charles Band did the one with the metal heavy metal band, and I was like, oh, yeah, band, band. band, yeah, Wasp, <laughs> Wasp. It's a real, it's a real metal band, and so then they were in this, so that was like a like oh, a little I thought trivia. It was like a Kiss, not like rip off. No, it's Wasp. That's a real band. It's a real band, like a I don't know, a moderately successful hair metal band. Not a fan. No, I don't want to piss off any Wasp fans be, here. They will not be getting a single cent from me. Sorry. To say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, they're relying on me to become a fan they should yeah. hang it up um yeah so i also have the blu-ray of this one khalid um there right. is a fun fun interview on this one with jeffrey byron who played the star and he had just a lot of interesting stuff to say 
um, about like the making of this movie and like just the kind of the kind of the, the what went into putting it all together and like all the like practical effects and stuff. And so it's clear that he had like a lot of fun for it. So like that was kind of fun. Like the interview or had a lot, a lot of love for it. The interview was actually done in 2023. So it was really interesting to see like what this dude like looks like now. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of cool. But uh, what's he look uh, like? Uh, like an older version of the guy in the movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I thought he like really changed or something. No, I mean, yeah, he looks different. I'd say he looks pretty good for his age. Yeah. Yeah. Probably still jogging through street lights. I was gonna say, I was, I was trying, I was trying to reach for a jogging joke, but you'd be into it. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, should we? Uh, let's get in the monster stuff, huh? Let's monster. All right, I'll start with Arena. Oh, wait, 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 which one did you say was your favorite? You named three, right? So of those, what would be your absolute favorite? Top favorite? Oh, oh, of the was segments? The, yeah, was it the Ooh. ice one? I no. Well. Maybe it is, maybe it is the ice one. Maybe it, I'll give it the ice one. I just like, I don't know, just like the the solution being having to like take a crystal from Einstein's hand and smash it or something. Like there was just it's like so obvious. If you just describe the plot of that one, I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? But That's it was, where it started to feel like fun. a dream to me because like it wasn't even explained. Like it was like yeah. You, you had two seconds to understand that that was Einstein in a room full of like history's greatest killers. And mm-hmm. then he doesn't even come to life. He's just holding the crystal. So it's like, what does that mean? And it's like, oh, this just feels like a dream. Like yeah, it, you... it felt it, it almost feel like it was shot very dreamily too, like in yeah. like softer focus and everything. Yeah, that one was fun. I don't know. I think uh Yeah, yeah, it's I'll go I'll go with that one. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> All right. Monster? Let's monster. All right. We'll start with Arena since that was the first one we uh we talked about in our thoughts and stuff. So this one John Carl uh, Beckler, who I just talked about in the uh, Dungeon Master one, was the head of visual effects on this as well. Um, but uh, so Michael uh, Deke, who I talked about earlier too, was a VS- VFX supervisor, worked on this. Um, he was the one who did the big interview on the Blu-ray that I listened to. So a lot of information is coming from that special feature. Um, so this guy, Michael Michael Deke, played uh, Horn, the villain in, in this in this in costume also. Horn um, he, yeah, he also played Shorty's extra hands, so he spent a lot of time, <laughs> yeah, on on his knees with his arms around him, and it, he he talks about how they like would Hamilton Camp was the actor who played Shorty. He talked about how they would like come up with like bits to do with the hands together, so that's kind of fun. That's awesome. I was I yeah. was hoping you'd have some info on the hand work because yeah. it was it was pretty good. Yeah, they said the the, the latter sequence was really challenging. <laughs> I bet. I kept yeah. looking too. Like, are they going to forget about the hands in this one? <laughs> I know, right? Like, I thought every, about that too every a lot. Scene, every scene I've seen, I was like, all right, let's see what those extra hands are doing. Yeah. So uh, so I thought that was kind of fun. He did talk a little bit about being in the the horn suit. He said there was limited vision in the suit, the robotic side is specifically, like you couldn't see out of that part at all. Um, so it was cha- he said it was very challenging to work on like choreographed fights by, for doing that. Half of the horn suit was fiberglass shells embedded into the suit to like be the robotic side. And the other side was like padded fur. So he said it was a very difficult and uncomfortable suit to wear. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, horn rules. Fiberglass, like what they make casts out of? Yeah. Jeez. So, um, the other, one of the other puppets that I wanted to talk about was the sloths, the sloth. Remember that giant thing? Like it was one of the first ones. Yeah. Yeah. So that one was created by a VFX artist by the name of screaming mad George. Have you heard of him? I have not. He's kind of a, 
got a he's he's kind of well known. His real name is uh, Joji Tani. He's a Japanese uh, artist. Um, he has a pretty storied VFX career. Uh, artist of like he does art work of like the macabre. He did the puppet creation for the sloth here, and uh, he's worked on like a ton of movies that you could just like look up his name he's been on a ton of things but inside of the sloth suit was actually steve wang who's actually another really prolific uh vfx artist who's been who's featured in tons of movies he's in both of these guys are in that um masters of vfx book that we talked about with uh um uh howard and uh, uh on the creature from the black lagoon episode remember that mm-hmm yeah. So uh, both of those guys are in that book, too. So they, they're, they've they gone on to do a lot of cool stuff. But the sloth suit is, was apparently super heavy, uh, heavy foam latex pieces that were jointed. And it was designed to be able to lift, be lifted by a crane so it could kind of do that standing stuff. Um, yeah. So that was that was nuts. That was a that was a pretty uh, um, involved suit. It sounded like suit slash. It puppet. looked like all the suits were involved, like the robot yeah. thing at the beginning, too. Yeah, um, it that just, was cool. And it's just like. It's really counterintuitive to like a movie where it's all about like practical boxing, like fighting, you know? I know. Well, yeah, right. So it sounds like it's so <laughs> hard to like actually choreograph the fights. Apparently, so it sounds like all the guys who did the effects um, or who worked on the effects crew had to ultimately play aliens and creatures in different scenes. And they got to the point where they had so many sequences with like background aliens and creatures that they end up having to mix and max match monster suits. Like they take, Oh, we've got to put this head on this body or change this head slightly or alternate, alternate like this to like, like make it, it look yeah. slightly, slightly different. So like they had to be really resourceful and like reusing a lot of those pieces, which is kind of fun and like scrappy in a sense. Yeah. I think the creature design worked overall just for like mm-hmm. the because like because it was so janky, it was consistent across the board. Right. That like every new alien you saw, you're like, sure. Yeah, he could exist here. Um, <laughs> so so for that reason, I liked it. Um, trying to think of what my favorite creature design was. I think my least favorite was the sloth because like it just looked like so bad when he was fighting it. I know. And, yeah, it felt like I think that you can tell that a lot of work went into it and it's cool, but like in terms of like making it a fight, that's just hard to do. Like it it just really feels like if you wanted to make this like a good movie that people would like engage with, even if you just kept it like earnestly about like this guy who's like basically just like boxing aliens. You got to just make the aliens humanoid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like Horns is my favorite for a reason. Like he's like the most like conducive to like a human on human fight. Yeah. Horn is great. Yeah. So, and yeah, he just has like the most like human characteristics and it's like super funny. Uh, (laughs) And then all the other creatures, like it just like, because just, you know, already just shooting boxing is like hard, like fake boxing Mm -hmm. choreography wise. So like now you're talking about like people that can barely see in giant fiberglass suits. Like, yeah, of course, of course you couldn't execute it. Well, I did notice, um, at one point, uh, Armstrong, Stephen Armstrong had, uh, like, he was like hanging from a harness in one shot. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, I think I did. It's when horns, like, got him picked up over his head, and it's like very clearly, like, he's like being like harnessed <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loved that touch. That was not a criticism, yeah. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I forgot to ask you, like, what'd you think of, like, the, the notion of, I think you kind of talked a little bit about it with, like, um, the, like the meaning behind, like, like basically the boxing element of it, but like the like handicapper system. 
Yeah, I didn't understand that. At first I thought it was a handicapper system that made the aliens weaker, but then they use it to make the human weaker. Well, I think that it's just, I think the idea of it is that it just, it's like a device that's just meant to equalize the fight in whatever capacity it has to be. So, so like sometimes they'll say like this person's fighting at full strength, this person's fighting at minus six or whatever random. Yeah. That's what they said. Yeah. Yeah. So then they made him weaker. I thought the whole thing was that they were just going to take the thing, turn the thing off and mm -hmm. let horn fight at full strength it got really confusing when they just weakened steven because i was like wait so how strong is horn then yeah so like i think yeah that was the implication later on like they were trying to like fix the fight they were trying to like mess with the the handicapper system at the very end um weasel right our guy weasel weasel yeah you liked the weasel. true hero of the story weasel's gun <laughs> why khalid uh, is the only thing that seemed to shut Steven up proper. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Kind of the um, only thing he didn't have a rebuttal for in the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> that scene when they, that scene where he first meets the, like the, 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 the villain or whatever, the boss. And he's like, don't you know who I am? Who I am? And he's like drunk. Steve's drunk. And he's like, no, no did you forget? <laughs> <laughs> that joke got me. Thank that you was for, good. for bringing that was that a good up. joke. I, love joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did enjoy that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the, the the handicapper. So like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know the the metrics of it. I like the idea there because like, I feel like you got to have something like some magical like thing in place to like make these fights like somewhat practical in that sense. Um, but it makes even less sense in the grand scheme of things because they say a human hasn't won in 50 years. So it's not. Yeah. In terms of what equalizing is the handicapper it? for, if not to equalize the fighter, if, if, if it equalizes all the fighters that every human well, should be fighting still. Well, yeah, it can weaken them because that's the point. It weakens <clears throat> other ones, right? Like it weakens horn and he was that's, fighting at full strength. Is the handicapper like a betting thing? I don't understand. No, I think it's like actually like it's a power thing. Like it makes Horn like slightly less stronger. It makes Steve. It, it didn't make Steve stronger. It just put. I think it actually only makes you less strong. I don't think it increases strength, right? And it depending on who the light is on, it weakens them. Perhaps, what, yeah, or whatever, whatever. Okay, I, I don't want to get into the mechanics of that. I just, yeah, it was just confusing. Like what what the what the handicapper did. Yeah. So what the handicapper does is it decreases strength of whoever to like to like equalize the match. And so what they did to mess with it was they turned it off on Horn. So he went back to full strength and they decreased uh, Steve's strength to make him weaker. Which I don't know. I, I mean, I'd be more interested to just, like see that to me is like, why do they decrease Steve? Like they should have just had Steve fight. And like then you get your Rocky moment of like. Not only can he beat him with the handicapper on, but like even without realizing it, he can beat him without it. Well, didn't he? Like they destroyed the handicapper, so at the end, like it was off. Yeah, but like it's confusing because they decreased him before that. So it's like, was he always stronger than Horn with or without the handicapper? Why is the handicapper a thing? <laughs> You're thinking too hard about it. Of course I'm thinking about it too hard. This movie didn't give me much to think about, so I'm dwelling on the few things it did. Yeah. All right. So anyway, um, the the monster stuff, the the guy in the interview also talked about how like this was at the time, like one of the most like ambitious, like creature movies he'd worked on with the amount of like just the sheer number of creatures they had to create. They also had to like create um, like, I don't know if you remember, like the kind of like aerial images of like the 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 arena ring, like all of that. If you look closely, like it's all like miniatures. Mm. 
So like, it's all like when you see like the people bump, jumping up and down, it's like little like <clears throat> puppets. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but I'll have to rewatch just to see that. You will. Uh, should we do Dungeon Master next? Let's do Dungeon Master Monsters. Rage War. Uh, Rage so the special War. effects in this one were pretty much done also by uh, John Collar, Carl uh, Beckler, who directed that Demons of the Dead segment and did a bunch in Arena as well. Um, there were also on this one animators and retroscopers, which um, I kind of learned a little bit about what retroscoping is, which is essentially the process of creating animated sequences by tracing over live action footage frame by frame. And they Wait, did that rotoscoping or retroscoping. Uh, sorry, rotoscoping. Yeah, you're right. Rotoscoping. Yeah. Yeah. Rotoscoping. I didn't mean to say retro. Thank you for correcting me, Khalid. No um, but yeah, that uh, that's kind of like how we get stuff like that purple green dragon standoff thing, the light shows and stuff. Um, but otherwise, lots of practical effects, puppetry, latex masks, makeup. Um, the one that I think is of note to kind of really dig into is the stone Canyon giant one actually. So that David Allen who directed that one was sort of like doing a Ray, Ray, uh, Harryhausen inspired stop motion animation. If you, I don't know if you kind of clock that when you're watching that it wasn't the guy in a studio suit. It was like stop motion. Um, wait, which guy, the stone Canyon giant. Remember that one? Oh, that makes sense, yeah. actually. I mean, I figured yeah. it was like a miniature or something, the way they shot it. Yeah. So the guy who made that, David Allen, he's kind of known for that stop motion puppetry and VFX works in a number of things. Like, apparently one of the things that he's also known for doing is like in the 70s was like the Pillsbury Doughboy commercials. Um, but he also did work for like the Howling and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and several other Charles Band productions. So this guy who did this one, this one segment, he even got it. He got an Academy Award nomination for best visual effects for his work on the movie Young Sherlock Holmes, which uh, was the first movie to have a fully computer generated character. Fun fact. That is fun. I didn't even know yeah. that was a movie. Yeah. So, yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. Actually, I learned that, too. But. That was I thought that was kind of interesting. That was kind of like the most uh, I'd say like unique like effect for this because stop motion stuff like that was really really big in like the fifties and sixties like like the Harryhausen era where you know, like the Jason the Argonauts kind of stuff, but uh, hadn't really been done as much like that. Um, so to see that kind of old school sort of like effects work was was kind of fun in this. I thought. I think it worked overall. And I mean, it's charming. You know what I mean? Like charming effects, is a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the effects weren't like, we're never convincing, but it's like, we just saw the flash last year. Like <laughs> effects work has come a long way. And in a lot of ways, the same issues still persist. Like mm -hmm. more often than not, it's just like two actors that are trying their hardest to convince you the thing they're looking at is actually there, you know? Right. Um, and so all, all things considered, like it's like a cool perspective to like go all the way back and see it even in this like crude mechanism of like, eh, honestly, directing wise, they did a pretty good job with like inputting effects. I think so, too. I think I think you can make that case for both of these movies, like low, very low budget, but like very ambitious with effects works. And like, yeah, it doesn't all work and it doesn't all like look good. But like there's this is like effort, like charm to it, you know, like all like all of it's very charming. And it's like, that's what suspension of disbelief is really for. You know what I mean? Like papering over stuff like that in service of like, ideally a good story. Were, were either of these good <laughs> stories? That's for you, the viewer, to decide. But I think that yes. like 
<laughs> okay, Joe <laughs> says yes. Um, but given the time period and like the technological limitations they have put on them, like it's very ambitious in an admirable way. Agreed. Yeah, it's just they're, I think they're just fun. Like you know me, Khalid. I really love like cheesy B movie bullshit. Like these are right what? up my alley in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, surprise! Ooh, cheesy yeah. B movies. Yeah. Where do you stand on Star Trek? Hmm. I've heard of it. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, yeah, no. The I think uh, the more we talk about it, the more I like Dungeon Master more. I think I even started liking Dungeon Master more than Arena. But mm-hmm. talking about the effects work and stuff like that, I just I really was like way more impressed with it. The their use of practical locations and stuff like that. It felt yeah. The sets on Arena felt more Trek, but the stories in Dungeon Master felt more Trek to me overall. Oh, because yeah, because like the like morality play elements of it, of course, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just like this thing of like, well, you can't punch your way out of you can punch your way out of most alien problems, but sometimes you're gonna have to think, you know? Yeah. So I think I think uh, that's a good point. I think uh, like Dungeon Master might be like the overall better like movie to like sit down and watch. I think if I was throwing a movie on like in the background and I just want to look up and see interesting things, like I would probably put on arena over the two. I mean, both would be great. Like in a really loud bar, like in a loud bar. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You just keep looking up like, what the hell is this movie? Like that, it feels like that kind of uh, double feature. But if we had a bar, these would be on repeat. Yeah. But you know, just a sign that not everything in the eighties was perfect. Or or was it really, Khalid? Or was it? I again, it's up to the viewer to decide. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, Khalid. I do have a final thought. What's that? Um, I have a final thought of a question that I want to ask you. I wonder what it could be. I was really like hoping you'd say something more like overtly like goofy that I could do a speaking of Khalid, but you didn't give me anything. Um, so I'm a little disappointed, but yeah, I uh, dropped the ball. Yeah, you did. Speaking of dropping balls, Khalid. Oh God, uh, that's really good. I'm, I'm actually impressed. You saved it. Holy shit. Saved it. Yeah. I was fishing. Also gross. Yeah. Speaking of dropping balls, Khalid, I wanted to ask you between uh Mistima or horn are your two choices. Um, who would you rather fight with and who would you rather flirt with? Do I have the inhibitor in either of these? The, uh, instances, the like, equalizer yeah. thing, the, like the handicapper from the arena, the handicapper. Yeah. Um, that, does it change that to fight either of them? Does it change your answer? Maybe. Uh, yes. <laughs> I do have the handicapper. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna fight Mezcal, the wizard guy. Mestima. Uh, Mezcal. Mestima. Yeah, he sucks. Uh, <laughs> not not cool. You don't you don't you don't feel up on chained up people. That's just guy or girl. That's just that's not cool, Mezcal. So fight him and then yeah, flirt flirt with Horn. You know, like I'm not I don't, I'm not hopeful of where it'll go. He seems kind of like toxic overall, you know, like real Jim bro, Jim bro vibes. 
Yeah. Uh, he also like fights people out after the fight is over, which is like that just speaks to like rage issues that, you know, like I've heard stories about like athletes with head injuries and what kind of partners they can be. So I would be a little alarmed about that. But, um, you know, he's he's got a little bit of a little, little bit of sass to him that I that I, he does. That I find intriguing. And I just, you know, he's he's. Arguably, the, like the only funny person on that space station or whatever. So that already, like, miles ahead as an option. Everybody else is just kind of a drag, uh, except Weasel and his gun. He's funny for different reasons. Um, but yeah, I think I would flirt with Horn and fight with, is it Mestizo? Mestima. Mestima. That's it. Mesothelioma. Um, yeah, I would. <laughs> I would beat that dude's ass because he is a creeper and I, I would not like to be around him for much longer than I'd have to. All right. There you have it. Also horn. Horny. Yeah. Yeah. Horny for horn. Mm-hmm. You heard it here. Yeah. I thought you were going to bring that up, but you didn't. It, it, they sounded like you're right. I was my bad. <laughs> You know what, Khalid? It is your bad. Thanks for admitting that. Got me there. Yeah. Should we uh, move on to our final segment of the show? Let's. All right, Khalid. Our final segment is our <clears throat> What the Fandom segment in which we share one or two things that we are into at the moment that uh, may or may not have anything to do with the movies in question or even monsters in general. So, uh, Khalid. What the fandom with you this week? Uh, usually my thank you for asking, Joe. First of all, You're welcome. Um, usually my what the fandom is like a movie or like a TV show, and this time it's going to be the experience of a movie. Um, hmm. Specifically, uh, what I have to recommend and what I'm a fan of is watching The Color Purple in a predominantly black theater. Uh, so that is, that's, that's my recommendation. If you could do it while it's still in theaters, uh, go to, go to a place that just like statistically will have more black people in the theater and just like the commentary alone is worth the price of admission guys. Uh, the movie itself, it's fine. You know, I never saw the original color purple. So like watching it, I was just like, Oh, this is, this is a lot. Uh, but it was good. It, It was good enough. You know, like the performances are good. The singing is good. Uh, I really don't have anything to say about the movie other than watch it with a bunch of black folks because that shit was awesome and the commentary was so funny and I just I have a feeling it'll be consistent regardless of where you are so do that That's do you have an example fandom. of the commentary uh, uh, I mean it's just like the normal like not even it's just like really like situational stuff where like I don't even think it's like oh you'll get the exact same commentary I got I mm-hmm. think it's just that like this is the kind of movie with like really melodramatic like scenes, you know, of like just like broadly written uh, villains, you know, and it's the kind of thing that like begs like a person of a certain race to just like <laughs> call that person out in a theater. <laughs> and, it's, and it's and it's routinely funny. Like I could I could only assume that like the same thing happened at a few like Tyler Perry movies back in the day. Like, Diary of a Bad Black Woman, I would have said some shit. Like <laughs> the bad, the bad guys in that, like yeah, I would have been cussing them out in the theater too. So uh, <laughs> I say all that to say that my what the fandom is watch the color purple with black people if possible. Uh, Joe, 
with the fandom with you. Thanks for asking, Khalid. Um, I actually thought I would carry the theme of Tubi related B films. So uh, I was browsing on Tubi recently and I just watched it had something that was on my radar for a while, but it was something I never got around to watching. It's called White Dwarf from 1995. And it's actually a uh, was meant to be a pilot for a series in the 90s, but it was never picked up. So it's about 90 hour and a half ish. Um, it's a, so it does tell a complete story. It's, um, produced by Francis Ford Coppola though. So yeah, kind of an interesting pedigree there, uh, stars Neil McDonough and Paul Winfield. So some, some names there. And it basically tells the story of this like young new doctor just out of med school who is doing like this, uh, residency essentially like way out on a distant colony planet. That's um, has a light and a dark side. One side is always sunny. One side is always like in the dark and the planet is like the, the, the dark side. It basically like has created like a middle ages style society. And the light side is kind of like a Victorian era society. And so he's kind of like doing this, like he thinks he's just out there doing this like country doctor shtick where he's like, I'm going to go back to New York and set up like a real practice and have like, you know, war stories because the light and the dark side are at war with each other. But of course, like he ends up growing to like, you know, love and appreciate the culture and learn things. And there's all that element to it. There's like weird, funky aliens, like an alien prison guard. There's like a kid who shapeshifts. There's like a, a weird alien parasites that like they put on these gloves that like allow you to like dig into people's skin without making incisions. So there's some really goofy and weird sci-fi concepts that'll just pop up because like for a while you're like oh shit like this is just like a country doctor show and it's like oh yeah that's right it's sci-fi and like those things will just like come out and so it's it's a really like weird lore heavy show that i i totally get why didn't it did not get picked up for series <laughs> but it is just like a such a weird unique thing that i almost kind of wish i would have seen what they could have done like there's like there's like a dog person alien. There's like this giant like toad alien guy who's like a prison guard who you know, like employs these like monstrous things that eat people for like death sentences. And so like we, weird shit. But it's also like kind of cool, like relic of that time, like trying to do some unique sci fi thing. So I don't know if you're interested in something weird like that, like late night on Tubi, check it out. It's called White Dwarf. Uh, had a blast with it. Sounds hella weird, but also super, weird. super interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that with us, Joe. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> any anything else you wanna you wanna announce? Uh, no, just happy news new year. We got some fun plans for everybody this year. Uh, trying to plan out some episodes coming up, but uh, just wanted to say that if you uh, like Khalid said. Helping us out by becoming a patron is huge or uh, leaving us just like a nice kind review is huge. Getting our uh, our show out there and getting us to more ears to uh, perhaps cover more interesting things. Help us beat the algorithm, guys. That's all we ask. We're just we're just we're just two humble guys trying to beat an algorithm. Anyways, yeah. uh, thank you, Joe, for another awesome discussion. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this awesome dis- discussion that makes you awesome in, in your own way. And yeah, with that being said, until next time, creep it easy. Bye.